Hi, welcome back to the Deep Podcast. My name is Daniel Williams, and I'm here with my dad, Mark Williams. And this is going to be a continuation of our last episode, Idle Callout. Uh, we, have, we have structured these next few episodes as a series, so if you have not listened to the previous episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to episode 5. Episode 6 is going to lead directly from it, and we might reference... We are, we are going to reference stuff from the first episode, so please, please go back, listen to that episode. Um, as always, Dad, thanks for doing this for me. With, sorry, with me. And thank you for doing it with me. All right. Um, we have, we want to make sure we give a warning for this episode. This episode is going to be uh, not child-friendly. Um, we are going to talk about more adult themes because it's a part of the title pleasures of the flesh we want to we're going to use one of the most common pleasures of the flesh for our biggest example today so uh if you, this is your last warning for kids uh this level uh, episode will also be rated mature for kids um so please uh take some time find a quiet place grab a notepad a drink sit down and just listen to the episode all the way through thank you guys for listening um this is gonna be a rough episode (laughs) (laughs) i think it i think it will a little bit i will say kind of to piggyback on your adult warning um what we're talking about is is a passage straight out of scripture we're not we're we're using a story to illustrate some of the principles we're going to talk about and that story is graphic um we're not making it graphic (laughs) The story's graphic, and and by retrospect, as we talk about it, you know, connect as we talk about it, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a challenge to talk about because I think it's one of the things that the American Christian, in particular, struggles with the most. Um, I think uh, our histories of church in America, particularly in the last hundred years, really struggle with the things we're gonna talk about today, and it's evident everywhere you look and in every way that you look. It's in the news all the time. Um, we as a people struggle with the pleasures of the flesh. Uh, it's, yeah. it's very obvious. <laughs> and that's, uh, to be fair, that's not untrue in the rest of history. I think just think it's a major issue for us in the United States. Um, sure. in, in a way that it isn't in some other cultures, but it certainly is an issue in ours. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting conversation. And, um, and I, I would uh, also mention it's an interesting conversation for father and son. And I will say that very little of this is stuff that you and I and your brothers uh, have not talked about over the years. Right. Uh, we, we have, as parents, your mom and I have tried to address this stuff, and, and this, <laughs> this is not an easy topic oh. in today's culture. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this conversation off rough then, um, yeah. because I, I told this story in one of my classes recently. Um, and I think it's an excellent place to start. Uh, last time we talked about Washington State, Oregon's sex ed, early sex ed stuff starting as early as kindergarten. Yes. Um, I, I'm not going to share names, obviously, but, uh, my wife had a friend over who recently had to quit her job, uh, as a nanny. Because she was giving the child a bath, and the child's five, mind you, uh, and the child was playing with herself. And she went to the parents after the bath and said, uh, why is she doing this? And the parents looked at her and said, we taught her that she is fully open to explore her body at the age of five. Oof. Yeah, well, and, we're gonna have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, I, I, I. That's just a place to start, right? Yeah. This is something. The way that the way the world approaches this, and the way that the Bible approaches this, are completely and utterly at odds. There is no way to make them not at odds. There is no way. Um, I mean, it just let's just face it. This is going to be an issue for Christians moving forward in the United States without question. And 
Oh that's good. I'm that's already shaking. Yeah, that's a great illustration of it because <sighs> we we live in in Washington State, and I know many of our listeners aren't necessarily in Washington State, but man, this is when when we take a, a biblical perspective on these kinds of issues, the world is going to be at odds with us, and there is no way they're not going to be at odds. Um, and at the same time, at the same time, some of the worst offenses that I know of in terms of this issue that we will talk about today, the pleasures of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, have occurred within the bounds of the church. Yes. So it's not like we're exempt. Matter that's one reason it's it's it is an idol. And right. we're gonna we're gonna talk about some principles with that later. Um yikes son um and you you know that we living where we live right now it will be a confrontation for us one way or the other in the near future just by virtue of what's going on yeah so we'll we'll just we'll just put it this way uh my my wife who was very adamant about not doing homeschooling is now very (laughs) adamant about doing homeschooling right right this is because she she wants to stay in Washington, and that, or at least be near her family in some way, and that is just like, yikes! Yes, yes. I do not want to be in Washington, but yes, uh, well, all of these things are things to be decided later in that regard. For the podcast piece, um. Man, I I think we uh, we missed kind of a big piece last week, and we want to make sure we talk about it because it kind of boils right into the topic we talk about today. Yeah, um, you okay. know, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that you know we're sitting down doing something, and one of the things that we're trying to do, because um, I will tell you, you know, my training is, is as a uh, a pastor preacher in the South, and they're known for being long winded, so we're trying hard not to make these run much of over an hour. Um, and I've, you know, if, if we could pull them shorter and get the level of content we wanted, we would, uh, but we just missed something last week and we have to talk about it because it's a vital piece to this idea of what, uh, what idolatry is. And I would say, I would, I would even go so far as to say it's the biggest idol. We missed the biggest single biggest idol that we as people have. Yeah, it likely is also going to be something that falls into every category. Actually, it is something that yeah, falls yeah, into absolutely. every category. Absolutely. And like we talked about social media last time, but we really, really missed like the underlying like layer of why we do all those things. And something that I think um, even the American dream has exemplified in in Americans and in has made way, this yeah. yeah has made this incredibly difficult. We missed. The idol of the self. Yes. And that we are sorry for. We're we're just because we're going to hit it. We can't, especially this week. We can't, we can't miss this in talking about this subject. I think that's the, you know, the the less of the flesh, the idol of self is probably the key component to all of it. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's most definitely, and we want to kind of, as we, as we start, you know, knowing that, okay, we have to add the idol of self to the list, um, <laughs> that, you know, we, we listed a bunch of things that boil out of, uh, uh, this physical pleasure piece that, um, the lust of the flesh, that it's either, you know, uh, you know, a physical pleasure that we seek and whether that's an addiction to things like porn or alcohol, sex, drugs, food, um, social media, gambling, gaming, things that we use as comfort, um, uh, you know, a crutch for us, um, the craving that we have for specific things. Uh, those things will kind of become later the pride that we have that'll come later. Um, but so many of these boil out of that idolatry of the self um, because our own pleasure becomes our idol. And yeah. all of those things are based in that. Ooh, I honestly am. So I, I, I called you. It took it. I didn't even realize we missed it until like 
Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah. yeah a couple of days yeah. Right. And we were like, holy moly, how did we miss that? We're, we're sorry, but we're, this is going to be a, a rough episode for um, th- that. That is going to come out so clearly in this episode. And we hope that we help you as listeners identify idols in your lives so you can go out and uh, drop them at your feet. So they're well, no dr- longer. Yes, drop, drop them at the feet of the cross to be specific. Right. Um, that, uh, we're, Daniel and I were talking and one of the things that we're doing with these episodes, the, you know, the series is a five episode series where you kind of did the overview last time. We're going to dig into lust of the flesh this week or pleasures of the flesh. We'll deal with cravings, lust of the eyes next week. Uh, and we'll deal with the, the pride of life, um, the week after that. And then we'll kind of wrap it up and we're keeping that fifth episode in view all the time. So as we talk about identification of these things um, each time, the, both this week and then the next two, as we identify these different pieces, um, we're, we're going to give some hope. But episode five is, is how do we solve the problems? And this is where um, that gets a little tougher because we're, we're intentionally holding back a little bit. Um, uh, and, and so this identification piece, what we're hoping you'll do with it as the listener, what we have to do with it ourselves is that you'll take some time and examine your life, examine your heart and go, what's there in front of me. That's never a comfortable process. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is the necessity of, of it's, this isn't a statement of judgment. It's a statement of recognition. What, Daniel, you're the law student. What's the difference between those two things? Help me out. Right. The, the big difference between those two is... Uh, what's a good way to describe it? You are not sitting in front of a courtroom getting your verdict handed down. Not in this podcast. Yeah, not in this podcast. That's not our goal. We want you to self-realize what is going on and then I, I almost want to say plead guilty. Yeah. In a way. I, we want people to go out and plead guilty to the Lord. Yeah. Now, this is vital and I would even say what we as Christians believe saves us isn't something we do. It's what Jesus already did for us in paying the price for the sin we have. And make no mistake, we're talking about sin in these things. Idolatry is the the, the core of sin, right? It's placing anything, as we defined it last week, it's placing anything, anything above uh, God and God's plan for us, God's agenda for us, putting anything ahead of God and his mission. So um, the things, the, the most natural core for us to do that is to put ourself as an individual ahead of God and his mission and to take and to try to um, uh, make ourselves the key to life instead of God and his things, the key to life. So if we're going to come back and as Daniel put it, self-realize, we're going to look at it and go, oh, I have this ugly idol in my life. I have this thing that's hideous to look at when I actually examine it and see it for what it is. Then, um, yeah, that's that's the start of the gospel is that we need, we're guilty. We are guilty. Um, All of us are guilty. Uh, there is no human that's ever not been guilty outside of Jesus. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about the impact of that and what that means in episode five, uh, taking to the text of some scriptures that deal with directly how to deal with this kind of thing. We talked about it some in our first couple episodes, the, the redemption that comes in Jesus, the adoption of sons and what all of that means. But the, the thing that we hear as we start we don't want to be sitting here looking at it going, um, hey, you, uh, 
uh, John Doe that's listening to this podcast, you have this sin. That's not our point. Okay. We want you to go, I have that thought pattern. I have that thing that produces an idol. I have this that shows up in my life and I need to deal with that. I need, I, I'm guilty. I, I need to plead guilty to the Lord. Right. It's, and it's not, it's not to us. Cause one of the things that, that we'll, that we'll talk about as we go through some of these is there's some that, that, um, that we're particularly susceptible to. I, I, for me personally, I don't know that that'll come up today. It's, this is not something I struggle with as much as some other things, but there's other things we're going to talk about that I will tell you plainly when we get to in the podcast, man, I really struggle with this. This is my idol. Um, particularly in the third episode is one that I bet is going to be really painful for me as an individual. Um, the, the third individual review, the pride of life, that's something that really hits me often. Um, uh, but in, in just in terms of the things that we're talking about, we want you at some point to go, man, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. I'm, and, I'm also definitely going to be something that's in this episode. So I will try to make sure my example comes through. Yes. The, um, the point isn't to to issue judgment is in the end is our point. We're not the ones called to do that. That's something God does. And that'll come out in the, in the passage we're going to look at. Um, but um, in the end, uh, as we, as we dig into this, as we start to dig into the, the text here and to talk about what this different stuff is, um, we want every listener to go, not man, ex, you know, my brother, my wife, my husband, my cousin, my friend across the street, my coworker needs to hear this episode. You need to hear this episode. You do. Yeah. And you need to examine your heart, just like we have to examine ours when we're doing this stuff, and we should anyway, uh, to go, where's my idol? Yeah. Um, not where's Waldo, where's my idol? Because it's let, let this be the the find the log in your own eye episode. Please yes. do not use this episode as a yeah. way yes. to walk up to your a peer of yours and go, listen to this, you'll benefit from this. And hint, hint, you'll benefit <laughs> from this. Right. No, that is not what this episode is for. Exactly, exactly. And at the same time, what we're trying to show is that, that as Scripture puts it, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every human except Jesus has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. It's just that simple. So, um, Daniel, the the list from last week, um, is there anything in that that you want to kind of emphasize before we jump into the text for today? Uh, not really. I Because the one we're really going to be talking about a lot is, is sex today. Yes. Um, and that's why we gave the warning for kids earlier. Um, but I, I think it's just a good idea to run down through the list one more time. Okay. Uh, just, just to say, hey, these things are what we talked about last week. Uh, something okay. to help people. Like, if this applies in the same way that it's going to show up, uh, sex is going to show up in the story, it's probably something you need to think about for yourself. Um, yeah. Yes. All right. So we'll start with the addiction category we have porn and sex we have alcohol we have drugs we have food we have gambling social media and for comforts and crutches exercise sports competition gaming family relationships social media work church and alcohol um and all of those are wrapped under the idol of self right um the the key thing, as we mentioned last time, is that the the individual thing, i.e., sex, i.e., food, i.e., exercise, isn't wrong in and of itself. Whatever that is, I would say that some of them are used improperly in all occasions, i.e., porn. But um, the issue isn't the thing; the issue is the individual, the self that is carrying out the action, and really, it's looking at the motivation of the action first and foremost. Um, that's going to come into play very much in this passage. And this isn't uh, what we're going to look at today in, in terms of a passage um, 
isn't one that uh, um, that most people just pick up and read. It's not one like you've probably never heard. If you go to church on a regular basis, you've probably never heard a sermon on this passage. Um, Daniel, can you ever recall in your lifetime growing up ever? I asked you then you didn't even recognize the story. When no, I, I did not recognize the story yeah. at all. Uh, this isn't one we talk about, and you're going to find out right, right away why we why we talk about it or why we don't talk about it because it's it's graphic, um, and it's a story from Genesis chapter 38. And I want to give a little context to it before we read it. Um, Genesis chapter 38 is is kind of stuck in the middle of a couple of narratives that take place. And um, in the middle of these narratives, it just plops the story down and the there's little context to it. It is kind of a standalone chapter that just relates the story of Judah. Now, I'm not going to go into the big picture Genesis piece of why it's in there, all that. I just want to focus on the story today in context of the lust of the flesh um, or the pleasures of the flesh. Um and Judah is the oldest son of Jacob, also known as Israel. Uh, Jacob is, of course, the one that is the son of, of Isaac, who's the son of Abraham. God tells him, I'm going to make, uh, tells Abraham, I'm going to make a nation out of you, makes the nation that we now know as Israel. Jacob's sons make up the 12 tribes, Judah being the oldest. He's the one that, um, that uh, later King David comes from. And Jesus comes from, um, and he is the the lineage of the king, if you will, later in 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 scripture. Um, and so this is, if you will, the actions of the oldest son of Israel, uh, also known as Jacob. And this is a, a passage where no one does right. No one does right. Um, and it exemplifies uh, some family ugliness um, and some weird cultural pieces that we don't identify well with. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. And, and um, Daniel, as as you looked through this, um, uh, did any of it look fun to talk about? No, this this I I I read this story. 30 minutes before this podcast let's, let's make make that super clear to everybody um it made me a little uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> yes like wow but this is it's a perfect story for yes for this episode. yes it is so uh if you have your bible or your bible app handy uh genesis chapter 38 i'm going to read it out of the new living um i will say we talked about how to how to read through this here on the podcast I am going to read it all in one sitting. It is a little longer passage. I'm going to try to make it as conversational as possible. And it's largely because we want to get some of the ugh of the story out of the way as we read it. Um, yeah. So uh, please listen close, follow along, and, uh, and come to this with uh, an open heart and an open mind as I read, please. Actually, we haven't done this yet, and we always want to do this as we open a podcast. Let's pray before we read this. Because yeah. well, I need a little bit of little bit of uh, grace and tempering in doing this, Father. Um, as we come to to topics like these that are really tough to tackle, um, and they hurt and they poke at things in everyone's life, uh, the sin that is at the core of our life. We know that the solution to that isn't us, isn't our actions, isn't uh, anything other than Jesus and what He accomplished for us. We want to be on mission with you. We want to be doing what you want us to do, not what we want to do for ourselves. And so we would plead the blood of Christ over what we talk about today. May each of us be willing to claim our own guilt before you in your court, knowing that Jesus is there to cover that. And as we talk and we read some ugly things, um, we want to first and foremost know that none of this stops or hinders you and may we pursue you over ourselves and the desires of our flesh in jesus name amen amen all right so the story of judah in genesis chapter 38 about this time judah left home and moved to adalam where he stayed with a man named hira 
There he saw a Canaanite woman, the daughter of Shua, and he married her. When he slept with her, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and he named the boy Ur. Then she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son, and she named him Onan. And when she gave birth to a third son, they named him Shelah. At the time of Shelah's birth, they were living at Kazib. In the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son, Ur, to marry a young woman named Tamar. But Ur was a wicked man in the Lord's sight, so the Lord took his life. That should be a, a, like a frightening phrase for some of us, I think, at times. We're going to come back to that later. Then Judah said to Ur's brother Onan, Go and marry Tamar as our law requires of the brother of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. Now I'm going to take a quick second and explain that because this isn't how today's culture works before we move on because I think it's important to understand what it, how this works. Um, if Daniel has two younger brothers, God forbid Daniel pass away, in the ancient Near Eastern culture of the day that Judah lived in, what they would have done is Daniel's next brother, Joshua, would marry Daniel's wife as a bride for Daniel. The child that is born of that relationship would be Daniel's heir, not Joshua's heir. Any property, any other items, things that Daniel owned, that child would inherit, not the rest of the family. It's a very, very important piece for how this works, that this is essentially a legal transaction that's taking place to give heir, E-R, an heir, H-E-I-R, that he didn't have. And it was seen as a family duty to provide it. Okay. <clears throat> Picking up again in verse 9. But Onan was not willing to have a child who would not be his own heir. So whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he spilled the semen on the ground. He pulled out. This prevented her from having a child who would belong to his brother. But the Lord considered it evil for Onan to deny a child to his dead brother, so the Lord took Onan's life too. Again, we'll come back to that. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Go back to your parents' home. Remain a widow until my son Shelah is old enough to marry you. But Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid Shelah would also die like his two brothers. So Tamar went back to live in her father's home. Some years later, Judah's wife died. At the, as the time of mourning was over, Judah and his friend Hira the Adulamite went up to Timnah to supervise the shearing of his sheep. Someone told Tamar, look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. Tamar was aware that Sheila had grown up, but no arrangements had been made for her to come and marry him. So she changed out of her widow's clothing and covered herself with a veil to disguise herself. Then she sat beside the road at the entrance to the village of Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. Judah noticed her and thought she was a prostitute since she covered her face. So he stopped and propositioned her. Let me have sex with you, he said, not realizing that she was his own daughter-in-law. How much will you pay to have sex with me? Tamar asked. I'll send you a goat from my flock, Judah promised. But what will you give me to guarantee that you will send the goat? She asked. What kind of guarantee do you want? He replied. She answered, leave me your identification seal and its cord, or your signet and its cord, and the walking stick you were carrying. So Judah gave them to her. Then he had intercourse with her, and she became pregnant. Afterwards, she went back home, took off her veil, and put on her widow's clothing as usual. Later, Judah asked his friend, Hira the Adulamite, to take the young goat to the woman and pick up the things he had given her as his guarantee. But Hira couldn't find her. So he asked the men who lived there, where can I find the shrine prostitute who was sitting beside the road at the entrance to Anaim? We've never had a shrine prostitute here, they replied. So Hira returned to Judah and told him, I couldn't find her anywhere, and the men of the village claim they've never had a shrine prostitute there. <laughs> then let her keep the things I gave her, Judah said. I sent the young goat as we agreed, but you couldn't find her. We'd be the laughing stock of the village if we went back again to look for her. 
About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has acted like a prostitute and is now, because of this, she's pregnant. Bring her out. Let her be burned, Judah demanded. But as they were taking her out to kill her, she sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely. Whose seal and cord and walking stick are these? Judah recognized them immediately and said, She's more righteous than I am because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son Shelah, and Judah never slept with Tamar again. When the time came for Tamar to give birth, it was discovered that she was carrying twins. While she was in labor, one of the babies reached out his hand. The midwife grabbed it and and tied a scarlet string around the child's wrist, announcing this one came out first. But then he pulled his hand back, and out came his brother. What? the midwife exclaimed. How did you break out first? So he was named Perez. Then the baby with the scarlet string on his wrist was born, and he was named Zara. All right. Daniel, isn't that a fun story to read? Yuck. Yuck. I mean, there is there is no like good thing in that. It's just ugly all the way through it, right? So you have these three brothers, um, Er, Onan, and Sheila. Er gets married. He's not a good dude. We don't know why. It's specifically not in this passage. There's nothing that tells us why. He's not a good man. The Lord takes his life. Um, there's not a lot of, of like just outright statements like that in scripture. Um, that's got to be pretty ugly, I would think, uh, yeah. to do that. Um, and then you have Onan. The next one comes along and he's like, um, dad, Judah is like, Onan, you need to go marry your brother's wife, give him an heir. And he's, his response to that is I'll have sex with her, but I'm not giving the heir. I'll get my rocks off, but I'm not giving her the heir. That's, uh, it's kind of ugly. Yeah. Oh, uh, shivers. Yeah, I'm I'm not commenting on the on the the law of the day, the culture of the day at all. I'm just saying that's that's like the very definition of wham bam thank you ma'am, I would think. Uh to use a cultural idiom for something like that. It's I'm willing to satisfy the lust of my flesh. Um but I'm going to make sure I don't I don't help my brother out who passed. I mean that's that's ugly. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, this is not something we're familiar with, so it's, it's, it's easier to, um, uh, to discount it. Um, it's, it's, it's not something that's comfortable or cultural for us. So this, it's a little easier for us to go, Ooh, that stinks. I don't like it. Um, the others are a little tougher, uh, what comes next. So, uh, Judah, who, who rather than addressing the sins of his son, his sons, both of them have proven themselves not to be very good men at this point, um, decides not to give his third son to her because apparently he's blaming Tamar instead of his sons for their own actions and says, you know what? I'm not giving the third son because shoot, he might die too. I'll do something else there. And, Instead of doing what he's supposed to legally for Tamar, he avoids giving Sheila to her. Now, what comes next isn't exactly a solution to the problem either. One of the things that isn't directly stated initially, but comes later in in, um, uh, his friend Hiram when he goes to try to find the shrine prostitute um, what that means is, is that was a very common practice in fertility um, cults that a they would have temple prostitutes and people would come give their essentially they would uh, give a donation to the temple to sleep with one of the prostitutes in the temple that were if you will the 
priestesses of the god or goddess of fertility, usually a goddess. Um, so this is a very common practice, even in the time of Christ and afterwards in the New Testament. Um, it was very normal, pretty much all the way up until Constantine legalizes Christianity in the Roman Empire in, uh, in the 300s. Um, uh, from the time we're talking about all the way till then, um, this was, in essence, if you want to say the most blatant piece of idolatry is this action by Tamar to make herself look like a temple prostitute, like she's part of the worship of X idol. Um, and we're not really told specifically what it is. There's some historical stuff that gives us some clues, but I'm not going to speculate on it. Um, uh, in the end, um, she goes and basically uh, makes herself look like uh, an idol worshiper in order to sucker in her father-in-law. Um, how's that make you feel, Daniel? I, I can't read this without feeling like, yeah, like, like it, it's, it's, <laughs> we, we started, we prefaced this entire, this story with how perfect it is for this section. And like we even are taking the risk of mar marking this episode as mature. We probably could have handled this episode differently to exemplify Judah and his sons and their mistakes and the idols that they have built. It is something I like. I all I can say is. Bleh. Like just <laughs> so the the trick is I don't I I know American culture doesn't look at um very many sex acts as the especially yeah. modern culture, right? Yeah. Um in this passage there's a couple things that are really clear. Air is a messed up guy. Onan is a messed up guy. Judah is a messed up guy. Two of the three of them die because of it. Yeah. We don't know for sure that Air's is sex-related, to be fair, uh, but Onan's most definitely is. Yeah. Most definitely is. And... Judah doesn't face the death penalty, but I mean, we're going to talk about later. Everyone knows who fathers Tamar's children. Yeah. It's Judah. She doesn't make it public until Judah threatens to have her burned. And what is essentially does that mean? Yeah, it's kind of like burning at the stake. They're going out to kill her. Because she got pregnant as a widow, and who is the aggrieved party? It's the father-in-law, whose son no longer now doesn't have an heir because she slept with some random guy. Um, this passage, I think, is a great basis for an Amer a classic American novel. I don't know for sure that Nathaniel Hawthorne ever said. This is where this comes from, but doesn't this kind of sound like the plot of the Scarlet Letter? That book. <laughs> I mean, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, this is kind of this is kind of deep when you start thinking about it in these terms. So, Daniel, I man, this is ugly, right? And we would look at it and we would probably call it ugly. We there's you know, I, I think there's a couple glaring questions before we move on. We need to ask um, why are Aaron and Onan killed? What I what, go ahead. I, there's this is really hard to understand as an American because of how our justice system works and all that. Um, but <clears throat> the best way 
for me to describe it is they were tried in the court of God. It has judge, jury, and executioner, and he determined they were wicked and sentenced them to death. Um, and that, I, I think Onan's is a lot clearer about what he broke and what he did wrong. But our, our society struggles with that because we have a different set of understandings when it comes to like we can't we don't have the ability to determine who is wicked and who is not right in a court so we i would take it a step further than that and this is going to sting a little bit uh but there's a lot of american males that have spilled their seed on the ground to satisfy the pleasures of their flesh yeah and they haven't died. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I went there. I'm sorry. Um, it, it, kind of an obvious question, right? Uh, right. This is a different time. Uh, and I, I want to say a little bit... Um, this should scare us. Because one of the things that God talks about in the New Testament is in this age, this era of time, where God is working a certain way, not just with his people. Um, by that, I mean both Israel and the church as separate entities, um, but also with the world at large. It describes him as storing up his wrath meaning he's not carrying out that kind of judgment, I would say, in this day and age. Instead, he's storing up his wrath. The wrath will be poured out later. Does that scare you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's ask another question. Okay, because this is, this is, all right, so they violated God's law. God took their life. Okay, is that just? Yeah. Oh, I I know this is weird coming from from a lawyer, um, but ultimately this is something that a lot of people are going to struggle with, and we need to understand at some point who determines what is just, and if as a Christian that le- that should it that should be Christ, but we don't understand that very well. We look at this and go, man, that guy was murdered. For pulling out? (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. It's not how we we should view it. I actually really think a great example is it's a different time. Like, we we have changed as human beings from then. It would have been a crime if he'd been caught doing it by his father-in-law. Let's put it that way. It would have been. It would have been a legal crime in that day and age, absolutely. Yeah, and that's changed drastically from our criminal uh, system today. So you're not you're not wrong, um, and the, this is very different today. I from a from a Bible perspective, this is wrong then, and it's wrong today. Yeah, and that's what's uncomfortable. Yeah, I think um, in some way, because this is, and I'm not saying that, you know, the mutual agreement pull out, that's not, that's not my point. That's not my point at all, because the sin here isn't that Onan pulled out directly. Okay. The sin here is that Onan chose the pleasure of his flesh over the responsibility he had, not just to his brother and his father and his sister-in-law and to God, first and foremost. He chose his pleasures of his flesh first. That's the idolatry here that we're talking about. And that, almost every one of us is guilty of at some point. Yes. 
So it's easy for us to look at this and go, dude, he, he pulled out. That's that's like a, a legitimate birth control method. I'm not debating that. That's not the point. The point is Onan chose the pleasure of his flesh. It shows the pleasure of his flesh. Judah chooses later with Tamar, chooses the pleasure of his flesh. He doesn't even know it's his daughter-in-law. Now, let's put that into context a little bit. Um, Daniel, do you happen to know the average age of marriage in that culture? It was like 15 to 35. The girls were old maids if they weren't married by the time they were 15. Okay, the guys were typically married around 30. So, yes, you have a 30 year old guy marrying a 13 to 15 year old girl. All right. So not commenting on the societal comfort with that, because we don't have that. And I don't think we should have that, um, especially as the father of a daughter. Um, but point being, that was what the culture was at the time. Let's add some stuff to that. Air is probably in that 30-year-old range when he marries Tamar, and Tamar is probably somewhere between 13 and 15. Air passes away. Onan is sent into Tamar instead. Okay, Onan presumably isn't married yet because he doesn't have an heir. H-E-I-R, not his brother's name. H-E-I-R. Right, so he's probably not quite thirty, or roughly thirty. He's he's not marrying under normal circumstances yet. Yeah, and so he just engages in the purposes of the pleasures of his flesh and nothing else. Right, so how old is Judah to have a son who's around thirty if he didn't get married till he was roughly that age himself? How old is he? I would bet near 60. All right. So he's got three kids. How old is he to be old enough that Onan's close enough to be engaging in the act and old enough to potentially get married even though he isn't actually married yet? You can probably add another four or five years onto that. Yeah. How old is he enough that Sheila isn't old enough to get married yet, and isn't even enough to even potentially be early enough because he has to wait a little bit. Time passes is my point. I'd wager Judah's about 70 when this story occurs, and Tamar is is at max by the time she gets pregnant with the child of her father-in-law. She is probably around the age of 25. Wow. Are you uncomfortable now? <laughs> This is going to be even more uncomfortable as we explain more and more why we did this story. Right. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, it will, won't it? I hope people uh, are a little like, you got okay. spiders crawling across your skin with this, with this episode a little bit. So every person in this story, and I would include Tamar in this. Judah calls her righteous. I wouldn't say she's righteous. I would say that that's Judah's warped perception of righteous. His response to Tamar is, um, uh, um, she's more righteous than me. <laughs> I don't think she's righteous, right? Um, uh, it's uh, it's kind of, uh, kind of ugly. Uh, she's more righteous than I am because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son, Sheila. <laughs> Essentially, Judah makes Tamar his daughter-in-law, his wife by giving her an heir for his son, Ur. Um, every person in this story puts their own desires of the flesh ahead of God's law and their responsibility. And ultimately, this is what we do, one of the things we do when we engage in the pleasures of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, is we put our satisfaction, whether that's sexual or otherwise, ahead greater than God's law and our personal responsibility. That's what makes it an idol. 
That is the core piece of this. And I would go so far as to say that's probably what begins to define that addiction piece as opposed to just the comfort or the crutch. Yeah. Um, is it's that our satisfaction in some way becomes greater than what God has designed for us. Right. I, I think uh, this story covers the addiction to particularly sex really, really well. Yes. Um, I, I think uh, I'm going to share a personal tidbit for the comfort uh, crutches because I play a lot of video games. I'll tell you that. Um, I think that it's a great, this is a great moment to segue into how it applies to everything else. Yes. Um, I, for the past, I started playing games with you when I was like, eight yeah um i and i'm 21 now (laughs) so i've been playing games for more than half of my life and definitely during my junior high probably my first year of high school i was using games to sink all of my time into and even now it's something i turn to when i need to relax something I turn to when I want to have some fun with my friends. Uh, and that's not a bad thing, obviously. Um, but how I commit to it is a great example of of how I, I definitely how I committed to it in the past. I've tried to work on this a lot recently, um, especially with having my own apartment with my own wife now. Um, trying to take time away from my computer to spend time with my wife. Um, But it's something that definitely ate up most of my life when I was looking for comfort and was looking for something to ease my way through the day, right? And another, one of the examples I used in the last episode, like an extra as exercise as a replacement for self harm, for some people, um, it was gaming was my escape from the world, right? And I, I actually, I think the even the way the books we read kind of exemplify dad kind of exemplify that feeling within I, myself. Absolute well. One of the things that, that um, this this is a meta father son discussion here for a second. Um, one of the keys that we as people have to do, and you and I have talked about this countless times, is we need to understand how we look at the world, our worldview. Right. Um, and there's a, a whole growing genre of literature out there where people are inserted into game worlds. It's called lit RPG. And Daniel and I read a lot of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> game lit, lit RPG. Uh, we say a lot of it, like where that's an understatement. That's an understatement. I promise you. Yeah, we, we won't we won't mention specific numbers, but it's an understatement. Um, but Daniel and I are both people that devour information. It's who we are as people. We read a lot of different things. This happens to be a lot of it, and I do it, and I know Daniel does as well, somewhat because it is this worldview exercise. Absolutely, it's people creating their ideal world. They do this with science fiction. They do this with fantasy fiction. They do this with fiction. People do it when they watch TV shows. The This sense of most of what we're, we've talked about in this passage of Genesis 38 is that addiction side that you would identify, right? The comfort side, that's probably more where Tamar is. It's less about the addiction to sex and more about the desire for the crutch of the air and the provision of the family that she has. Um, so as in looking at both sides of this coin, whatever it is, this satisfaction piece that we put ahead, if I have X, if, if, and I'm going to point out a bunch of different things and some of them are going to be really painful. If I can have a sex act every, every day, I'm going to be just fine. If I can um, eat this food, if I can drink this kind of alcohol, if I can um, play this game, man, I can, that's that's idolatry. 
that is putting something else ahead of God and his mission. And as a married man who's been happily married for 23 and a half years, I can tell you that um, it gets better if it's done right within the bounds of marriage, and that's how God's designed it, and that's the way it's supposed to work. Um, and you're going to get it right sometimes, and you're going to get it wrong sometimes, but man alive, none of that measures up to God and his mission. That's good. And the trick is, is we constantly try to substitute whatever it is. Man, I like food as much as the next guy. I was looking through, I, I, uh, I have, uh, um, you know, storage device and it's got only, you know, online storage in the cloud and it's only got so much free space. And after that you have to buy space. So I was going through clearing out pictures of that. I didn't really need, you know what the number one thing I take pictures of Daniel food, food. I love food. Food is good. Your food. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, I am a little bit. Um, you, in, you. in terms of, in terms of it being an idol, it can be. If I put my satisfaction of food ahead of God's law and my responsibility, then man, I have a problem. I like sugar. If I eat sugar to the point it gives me diabetes, I've got a problem. That's an idol. Yeah. There's there's a flip side to this too, or that's the addiction side, the as you said, the comfort side. What we do when we do that is my own judgment. Um, it's easy. It's easy for us in these cases, and I think Tamar does it a little bit here. Judah does it for sure in this story, and this is the other. This is the flip side danger to all of these. Um, and I think it's what the American church is the most guilty of, particularly when it comes to sexual sin. Are you scared, Daniel? Because I'm scared right now going to this one. You're about to call um, him out. Oh, yeah, a little bit, a lot. What we do as people is we um, extend judgment towards others in these areas and fail to examine ourselves. That is idolatry as well. Here, what you have is Judah sinning against God, sinning against his daughter-in-law by not giving her the, his third son, rather than dealing with the sin his sons had. Which, by the way, may have been in some way inherited from their dad because he's not exactly doing it right either, is he? And instead, when they find out Tamar is pregnant, what's his first reaction? Burner. Burner. American Christian, yes, God's law forbids homosexuality. Yes, um, God's underlying creative law says a man's a man and a woman is a woman. But I can tell you, I dealt with multiple situations as a pastor with individuals in my church who committed sex acts against children. I can tell you that I know just as many believers that have engaged in sexual acts, often inside of church buildings. And I realize the church isn't the building, it's the people. But inside the buildings that we call the church, I know many believers that have done that. The simple fact is, that the vast majority of Americans have engaged in sex outside of marriage. And the issue isn't that the sin occurs, because it does. And it has in every culture throughout history, you name it, it's there. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The failure comes, the idolatry comes 
when we declare ourselves innocent and the other person guilty without examining our own life and our own heart. True. Very true. It is, at, in essence, the lust of the flesh isn't just the side that looks at it and says the act's committed. It's the side that looks at, we look at ourselves and go, I'm innocent. And so, like, the very first step with all of these idols that we're going to talk about, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the, the pride of life, the addiction, the comfort, the crutch that the action becomes, the satisfaction that we desire becomes, we find a way in our own mind to declare ourselves innocent. And that is the idol of self because we replace God as the judge in our life. And everyone in this story does that. Yeah. Wow. This, this series is going to be rough for a lot of people. Um, and we're going to start to wrap it up. Um, wrap this episode up. Uh, and the, we want to make sure you're left with before we pray and do our music recommendation for the for the week that this is a deal with the log in your own eye before dealing with a splinter in someone else's moment. We want everybody to take a moment, just sit and reflect on what they listen to, uh, the story, um, listen to the Lord, pray, uh, pray scripture. Take your time with this one. When we release an episode next week, as our goal for the series is one every week for five weeks, um, this is it's likely going to get more and more rough as things get called out more and more. You may realize you have more than one of these idols. I would say most of us do. Most yeah. of us do. And we're, we are not guiltless, that's for sure. Yes. This is not a <laughs> we're, we are no better men coming before you yeah and the, the key to all of this is we're going we're going to bring hope i promise you that yeah the, the fifth episode is hope personified literally um We're going to bring hope, but that begins with us being willing to say I'm guilty. Absolutely. Today, we talked about what satisfaction am I seeking ahead of God's law and what God asked me to do in my responsibilities. What is it that I put of my own satisfaction ahead of God? And then do I turn that around and do I judge other people for their failings without judging myself? Yeah. Um, it is this failing that cripples families, churches, nations, and individuals. And please take it seriously. Please examine your heart. Please be willing to go before God who is judge and plead guilty and plead guilty, which just for a fun fact, if you were going to say God is my judge in Hebrew, what would that be? I have no idea. Yes, you do. It oh, would be, it would be Daniel. <laughs> God is my judge. That is what yeah, Daniel means. Right. We, we want, each of us, that includes Daniel and myself, to look at our own lives and go, God is my judge. Can you do that? Daniel, you want to pray this time? Yeah, I'll, I'll pray us out. Uh, dear Lord, uh, thank you for this message and our ability to give us a platform to share it with people. Um, 
this is a rough message for people and give let your love pour out into our uh, to the listeners and people who need this episode uh, please let them understand what they what they need to understand about your mission and your love um, let us come to your feet and plead guilty and give us give us rest in your word thank you lord for uh, saving us and everything you do for us in our, in our lives and jesus name amen amen um our song choice for this week uh is i i wanted to make sure i pick something a little lighter because there's not a lot of songs out there just like slam on the idols um so likely the next few songs are about are going to be very similar in nature um but I'm going to start with one from one of my dad's favorite bands and one from me. One of my favorite bands, too. Christian bands. And it's old Newsboys again. Yes. They might show up once or twice um, in the future more, maybe more than that. Um, but it's Where You Belong, uh, and it's got a slash mark, and it says Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Um, and it's on their 1992 album. Not a shame. I recommend a old classic. I love it. I I really hope you guys have an excellent weekend. This episode should be going out later today. It's Friday the fifth. Uh, um, have a wonderful day. Please remember, there's always more under the surface.